money minutes. Today, the government's rule changes to prevent thousands of small businesses going broke. But will landlords and financiers play ball? And will some crooks exploit the system? You bet they will. Great to have your company for another episode. Now, look, for some months now on this podcast, I've been warning you about the looming crisis coming when government starts to remove the bandages around our economy. Think JobKeeper, JobSeeker, HomeBuilder. They're all designed to pump money into the economy. Well, from today, the JobKeeper payments start to be reduced. Some of the Band-Aid is slowly being peeled back. But for business, the most compelling support was the abandoning of the decades-old rule that if a company can't pay its debts if and when they fall due, it must cease trading, call an insolvency practitioner and put itself into receivership or administration. If it fails to do this, directors can be personally liable for any future debts incurred by that organisation. Now, until coronavirus, that is, because Treasurer Josh Frydenberg relaxed those rules to let businesses continue to trade even if they were insolvent. Furthermore, for publicly listed companies, there was a further step for the time being that absolves directors if they don't inform the market any time their trading conditions change. Now, what seems clear is that when those band-aids come off the economy, small and medium-sized businesses are in grave danger of collapse, many of them. The result may be of landlords, banks, financiers taking a much harder line on those who owe them money. After all, they want to get their money back. Now, those dangers still do exist, but Josh Frydenberg has announced new measures for small business with less than a million dollars in debt. Now, it's similar to the Chapter 11 system of bankruptcy in the United States that allows the existing management to keep working on the business with the debts as well, trying to revive that business. And though Australia's system relates only to micro-businesses, very small businesses under a million bucks in debt, though these changes will not prevent every company from going broke, just have a little think about the crop of companies in the United States that have once filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The first one, Apple. That's right, the biggest company in America once filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and survived, thanks in part to Microsoft's Bill Gates, who was considered Apple's archenemy at the time. The second one, Marvel Entertainment, the multi-billion dollar movie production powerhouse responsible for the Avengers and Spider-Man. It's now owned by Disney, but it went broke in 1996 when its main game was still producing comics. The other big one, General Motors. Once the biggest car company in the world, it went broke after the global financial crisis and then had to be bailed out by the US government. What was it? Around $400 billion or so. The timing, of course, was different, but Chrysler went exactly the same way as well. Now here, the government's trying to stretch its band-aid over small businesses to try to protect jobs in that sector. So it'll do this by allowing the owner of the business to try and manage their way out of an insolvent position, if they can gain the blessing of their creditors. But between you and me, though, this could have some wrinkles. I've been around long enough to have seen some celebrated cases of Phoenix companies where the owners deliberately strip the assets out of the company, send it broke, and leave those who they owe money to high and dry. The crooks simply open up again and the whole rotten game starts all over. 
I've seen apparently reputable accountants, solicitors and insolvency practitioners caught up in the same game, effectively facilitating those phoenixes. And that's why I think the role of the corporate cop ASIC is so important if these new rules are to be allowed to proliferate. Because you see, there are consequences in a world where we're never going broke. When it comes to the detail of these reforms the government is bringing in to try and prevent more of these businesses going into, well, basically going broke, let's bring in here a man I always turn to, and that is Ian Purchase, who's the director at SV Partners. SV Partners is an insolvency practitioner. It's one of those that these companies will have to deal with or indeed engage to try and work through their debts if they're in trouble. Ian, many thanks for your time. My pleasure, Ross. My pleasure. All right, let's just start with what the government is actually saying. Let's say, for example, I'm a company and I decide that today I can't pay my debts if and when they fall due. The debts are under a million dollars, as the government has prescribed here. What are, what are my actions? What are they saying I should do? Well, Ross, I, I mean, you've just hit the nail on the head. If you can't pay your debts as and when they fall due, then technically in the, um, under the Corporations Act, you're insolvent. And if you're insolvent, then you shouldn't be trading. And one of the things the government says they're concerned about is that they say that viable businesses are unnecessarily being pushed into external administration because the directors are concerned about the personal liability of insolvent trading. But, you know, our experience, and, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years, directors of those, you know, those micro small businesses, which are the ones we're talking about, really have very little concern about insolvent trading. And, you know, ASIC's publicly stated that um, they don't take any action against directors of companies with small businesses. So, you know, I just think that concern may be a little bit misfounded. I mean, the reality is that they, you know, and I keep saying this every time we speak, is that early intervention can mean the difference between turning a business around or going into liquidation. It doesn't really matter what type of process we have in place. And there are the warning signs that businesses um, could be heading into insolvency. And if they have any, ever have any concerns, then they really must see you know, their accountant or their solicitor or seek someone who has the um, necessary qualifications and experience to give them some advice. But yes, they go and see um, what's now being called a, a small business restructuring practitioner. Um, they work on putting a plan together. They let the creditors know that they're doing this. Um, they have to be the creditors have to be advised within 20 business days of what the plan is, and then the creditors have 15 business days within which to vote to allow that to go ahead. Okay, first things first for a person who might be going down this. You talked about that organisation they've got to see. What exactly? Where do I find one of those? Do I look it up in the phone book? What? Do I, how do I find that person? <laughs> well, at the moment. ASIC has it very well regulated, insolvency practitioners. You have to have a certain amount of experience, qualifications, education and um, and the competency to be able to deal with what effectively is other people's money. And, you know, we're, it's, we're very, we're, we're scrutinised regularly by ASIC. Um, we fund the ASIC watchdog to make sure we do the right job. But no one actually knows what this small business um, restructuring practitioner is going to be. And one of the things that we're very concerned about is that unless it is properly regulated, 
then it could become a promoter and haven for illegal Phoenix activity, which, you know, the, the ASIC has been and the government has been really trying to stamp out lately. And if you do get these players in there or these, these people in there who don't have the necessary experience and the qualifications and don't necessarily have the integrity and the, and the moral fibre that we'd hope they'd have, then we could see you know things going on that really shouldn't be going on with assets being moved and businesses being started up under different names and leaving the creditors behind in the old business. Okay, so that's the worst case scenario. Is really that you uh, this plan in, encourages some proliferation of phoenixing. In other words, uh, other small businesses get left with the debts uh, and really are out of pocket. Uh, the directors or the practitioners inside this company or the, the you know the organisations running it. They go off and set up a new business. They might even channel or funnel the assets out uh, and so leave nothing for those people who are owed money behind and simply go and set up a new business. Now, the government says you can only do this once every seven years. Is that yep. a reasonable sort of a, a, a sort of safeguard to put in place, do you think? Well, I think it is a pretty good safeguard. I mean, one a director and a company can only do that once in every seven years. So, you know, if you're a director of multiple companies that are in having problems, then you can only do it with one of those companies. I mean, Ross, if we put this in perspective a little bit, the ASIC statistics say that 58% of companies in insolvency have less than $10,000 in assets, you know, and 85% of them have less than $100,000 in assets. So these are micro businesses. These are really tiny businesses. We're talking about, you know, sort of stores and shops and, you know, sort of little... They are. Little businesses. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the concerns that, that has been um, aired on a number of occasions is that the insolvency practitioners get involved and all of a sudden there are no assets available for, for distribution to the creditors. Well, you know, if, if you've got 85% of companies in insolvency with less than $100,000 um, and 58% of them less than $10,000, then, you know, there really isn't a lot of assets there anyway to be distributed to creditors. Yeah, so again, I think those some of these concerns are a little bit unfounded. I mean, there, there's no doubt that there needs to be some streamlining of the process for for the micro small businesses. You know, you can you can't look after a virgin under the same under the same process as you might look after a, you know a mum and dad run business that you know, might turn over three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. It's just, I mean, it doesn't make sense. So streamlining it really does make a lot of sense, but it's really going to be important to get it right. And, you know, they're saying they'll bring this in by the 1st of January. I really don't think that's enough time because it, it'll need, they'll need to draft legislation, go out to the people who'll be dealing with it and ask them the questions about whether it's going to work before they bring it into play. And, you know, it is it, going to be of utmost importance that when it does come out that it's done properly that the right people are doing it, have the proper qualifications and experience and competency to do it, um, and you know, hopefully that that'll help those businesses. But you know, at the moment there are a lot of business, insolvent businesses that are being artificially propped up, which we've spoken about before. There are a number of um, which, which really shouldn't be trading anyway, and that's not healthy for our economy. In other words, this might be a way, in the worst case scenario, to prop up those zombie companies you and I have spoken about before. One thing here also, another safeguard, is there is a 20-day period uh, for the development of a restructure plan by the small business 
uh, and also the restructuring pr- practitioner. Then another 15 business days for creditors to vote on the plan. So even though the uh, small business restructuring practitioner might have been bought in, there's no guarantee that those owed the money are actually going to vote for that plan, and it could still be that the company goes broke. Well, I think I think that's right. And one of the reasons that we have independent um, independent insolvency practitioners that will be appointed as a, a, a voluntary administrator or a liquidator or receiver is that the business isn't being run during that period by the people that were managing it at the time when it became insolvent. Now, if you're a creditor, if you're an employee, if you're a subby, if you're a bank, if you're a landlord, um, you know, I, I think the preference would be to have an independent person involved rather than having rather than having the current management in there continuing to manage it potentially under this process. And so, you know, if the plan's a good one, and as I say, it, it does need streamlining for these micro small businesses because one size doesn't fit all. But you know, I'd like to see it work for those small businesses. And, you know, no one wants to see any of these businesses being liquidated. But the reality is that the, the problems um, fester over a period of time. And the directors are the ones that are best placed to to know when they're having financial difficulty. I mean, if there's no if there's no cash flow, if you can't pay the bills or the wages or the superannuation, if your books and records aren't up to date, you know, if you're losing clients, these are all the red flags that should say to a director, you know, I really need to do something about this very quickly. I've got to say, it's always good to have a chat to you. Ian Purchase, as I say, is uh, a partner with SV Partners, insolvency practitioners. He's been doing it, as he says, for 30 years. There are some wrinkles in this, I think, Ian. That's a big key, and I appreciate having a chat with you today. My pleasure, Ross. Anytime. bring into this conversation a man I've known for a long, long time, really is the face of small business in Australia. That is the Chief Executive of the Council of Small Business Organisations in Australia, Peter Strong. Peter, many thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Ross. I want to go to the government and what they've done with the insolvency reform. You, for many years, and I know this, we've talked for literally decades about this, about the need for small business to be more flexible when they go broke. The real worry I'm wondering here is whether there's a whole lot of businesses there that would have otherwise gone broke that might be protected by the rules that the government is proposing right now. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, there's always potential for something. But what we've got at the moment is um, there are businesses that should be closed, but they're being um, held up by a job keeper, as we all know. And those businesses... Um, will close anyway because under the proposal from the government, the business that can has to do a restructuring plan and present that to their creditors. Now the creditors, um, then you need fifty one percent of the creditors to say yes. Now they're not going to say yes to something that's not going to work. They're going to say no, this isn't going to work. We need to to um, um, close you down. You need to close down, and we need to get as much money from you as we can to satisfy the debts that we have with you. Okay, so what sort of businesses do you think will benefit from this? What What are the types of business? Give me a scenario that you think could be okay, fairly typical. So, yeah, yeah. So a typical one would be in the cafes, restaurant, catering, and in retail. This is this, these are the, the typical ones. Now they've been in a lot of those cases. They've been very good 
um, business operators. They've run businesses for many years, if not decades in the case of family businesses. They've been hit by a virus, not by a lack of, not by a bad economy, not by bad um, business practices, but by a virus. And they are able to trade through this. Uh, and we can see we're coming out of this by the look of it and things aren't as bad as a lot of us predicted. So they can put together a plan and say, look, within 12 months, all these things being equal, and here's my plan, here's the assumptions that we've made, I will once again be profitable and I'm and repaying debts. This is what I can do, and here's my history. I have been a successful business operator for a long time now. They're the sorts of businesses that will get the benefit of this. And how, well, shall I say, how sympathetic do you think that landlords and banks and other lenders, how sympathetic do you think they will be when they come across a business that chooses this path? Look, I'm not, and this may sound strange, I'm not as worried about the banks because the banks, they understand the situation. They don't want a lot of um, uh, bankrupted businesses or closed businesses. That does not suit them one little bit. They want these people to trade through it. So they'll, they'll be having experts looking at these plans, looking at the history. Well, they better be having experts looking at the history of each individual business operator saying, yes, this is a good plan and yes, we can we support this. The landlord's a whole different ball game, Ross. It's a whole different ball game. So we've got, uh, I'm talking about the biggest landlords. They're the problem. They're the ones that have a culture of bankrupting businesses. They're the ones that have a, they don't care about what happens to a business. So if they've got more than 50% say in the debts of a small business, I don't hold out much hope at all. We are asking the big landlords to come out and make a statement that you will work with your tenants to help them survive, because if you don't, and I don't know if this has occurred to the biggest landlords yet, if you don't, you're not going to get somebody to take their place. You're going to end up with great big shopping centres that are only half full. Okay. The other aspect of this that would trouble some is the prospect of phoenixing. Do you believe that the Treasurer and the government have put enough safeguards in place to stop basically crooked operators in small businesses? We've heard, um, you know, having their companies tank, leaving their creditors high and dry and all their small suppliers who themselves are small businesses, and then simply turning up and creating another business down the track. Well, this, um, this, this will in some ways help people to be recognised as not phoenixing because I've got to go to my creditors with a plan. So that's not a classic, as you just said, that's not a classic phoenixing behaviour. The phoenix people are dishonest and they deliberately and uncaringly put other people's money into their bank account and they don't care uh, if they suffer for it. What What's going to fix that is the director's identification number, which is a system the government's bringing in uh, fairly soon, I think it is, so that every director in Australia, one of these funny things, Ross, it's more red tape, but we support it. Every director in Australia is going to need their own identification number, so it will really become obvious if someone is is forever starting a new business closing that down, starting another one and closing it down. It'll become very transparent because you won't be able to appoint people as directors to your company who don't even know they're directors in your company because the identification number will give ASIC and others the opportunity to ensure that there's a lot more transparency. Okay, so over the last couple of decades when you and I have talked small business, and particularly in your early days, you know, you didn't always get the fair representation before government that you do today. Um, Now, I get from what you're telling me that you broadly are supportive of where the government's going with these actions. Have they involved you in the deliberations to, to come up with this plan? 
Oh, look, they've, they've involved um, my members in the deliberation. So, as you know, my members are associations, the, the certified practicing accountants, um, the bookkeepers, and they've been involved in these discussions. And uh, now what we've said is we will have ongoing involvement. We don't know. It's brand new. This is something new. So we're going to be all assessing this as we go ahead to make sure that it works for everybody, not just the business person, but for the creditors, because a lot of the creditors will be other little businesses as well. So we'll be working with the government, and they're very keen to work with us, um, and they've made that point that they will work with COSBOA and other industry groups to make sure that this this new approach works it keeps businesses open that should be open and doesn't support those that really do need to close okay cross fingers that it works and of course uh, the proof will be uh, in the implementation over the next 12 months or so the chief executive of the council of small business organizations of australia peter strong he's always terrific with his time and peter i appreciate it today oh, thank you ross and keep up the great work so that's it for the money minutes for this episode my thanks to ian purchase and peter strong for their input today also thank you for taking the time to listen. You can give us your feedback via your podcast app on Apple, Google, Spotify, and now Amazon. This has been a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.